Hello and welcome to this, the last instalment of the Crash Podcast for 2020. I'm your host, Tom Termazai, consultant radiologist in Norwich and the Royal College of Radiologists 2020 Röntgen Professor. In this series, we have been hearing from inspirational radiologists from across the UK who are in some way involved in academic radiology and research. Now, nine of our 17 guests in the five episodes we have released so far have been women, which is just over half. But the broader representation of women in academic radiology is less proportionate. On the last count in 2016, approximately one third of the radiology consultant workforce in the UK were women. And more recently, figures from 2019 have shown that only 20%, that's one fifth of UK radiology professors are female. These statistics suggest that there are still barriers, whether visible or not, to career progression for women in academic radiology. For this episode, we have brought together the thoughts from each of our female guests on what they think could be done to improve opportunities for women in academic radiology. So let's hear again from each of them in turn, starting with Amy Sharkey from London and Madhu Chetan from Oxford, both from episode one. What is it that we need to do to make sure that women in academic radiology get all the opportunities that they need to make it work for them? Because if you do look up the academic tree, you can see a definite drop off. So I hope that from discussions like this and the ones that we're going to have, that we can come up with some answers to those particular questions. Amy, have you had any thoughts then about uh, the future of women in academic radiology? I have to a certain extent as a junior sort of academic radiologist, I recognize that I'm in a relatively rare position in that my supervisor is quite a senior female academic who I actually met whenever she was chairing the Royal College of Radiologists Academic Committee. And when I was at the committee, I think there was a group of 14 or 15 people. I think there was my current supervisor on the board and one other. So I was aware that it wasn't a great representation. And when I actually applied for my ACF post, I think whenever I went into the room, there were about seven or eight people in the room already, all male. So I think it is something that needs to be looked at, but I think that you, I don't feel it's been a disadvantage to me to come through academic radiology as a female. Madhu, have you any thoughts on this? I agree with Amy that I, I don't feel like I've been through any disadvantage, but when you look up, there aren't many women holding these um, top positions in academic radiology, and we do need to give more thought to, to why that is. And I guess part of it comes back to what we were talking to earlier about taking time out of programme and, and de-skilling. And if that's to happen multiple times over, not just with PhDs, but also with things like mat leave and caring responsibilities, it becomes that bit harder to, to maintain your skills. Yeah, thanks very much, both of you. Next, we hear from Anu Abaro and Susie Shalmadine from London, guests from episode two. Okay, so one of the important things that I, I think we should have the opportunity to discuss since we're putting a lot out there is what are the ways that we could best facilitate opportunities for women in academic radiology? And Susie and Anu, you've both touched on some of these, but Anu, coming to you first, would you like to expand on the kind of things that could be done to help this? I think there's multiple levels at which we can try to make a difference um, in this particular area. I think representation is really, really important. Um, and so I think at least for myself as a junior radiology trainee, I never really considered academia because I didn't really see 
any women in academia. I come from a very different background from a lot of the people that are already in academic radiology. So I didn't see myself reflected in that pool of people. And so it just, I'd never considered it as an option. And as I mentioned before, I serendipitously fell into, into the role. Um, but it has been the perfect thing for me. So I think while we try and work on increasing representation, so improving opportunities for women at a particular grade to go into radiology, I feel like there has to be a real top-down approach. We have to reach down to our female trainees in particular, really offer them the opportunity to get onto projects, to write up, and to, I think, nurture that culture of interest in investigating and finding answers and showing them, you know, the possibilities of, of an academic career that wasn't really anything that anybody ever spoke to me about so I didn't even think about it it was just never really an option but there's like there's such a, a breadth of, of possibility there that we just don't get to tap into um, unless somebody has a conversation with you about it unless you seek out a mentor and those are difficult things to do as a trainee so I think at least for now, the responsibility is for the people that are already in that arena to reach down and, and try and create opportunities. Thanks very much, Anu. Uh, Susie, yourself, what opinions have you got that we could do here? Well, thanks for raising this issue. I think it's highly important. I was on an editorial call last week for a major journal for radiology, and I was shocked to discover that on the editorial board, less than 20% of the board members were women. So it clearly is a problem um, that needs to be addressed. And like Annie says, I think there are several levels at which this could be tackled. From an institutional level, I think, you know, fostering a culture of inclusivity and maybe having a compulsory mentoring program where everyone gets assigned a mentor, not just women, but, you know, people tend to pick their mentors and mentees in their own shadow and in their own light because you see something in someone else. And if all those people at the high level are men, they're going to be maybe preferentially mentoring men, not, not on purpose, but just because they feel that they have something in common. But if you have a sort of program where everyone just gets a mentor, regardless of male or female, and everyone just has that person they can go to in academia, that could perhaps generate some sort of inspiration. Um, I think on a departmental level and in the hospital, perhaps avoiding all male radiology panels or you know, they call them mammals, I think, um, for research or ethics committees, you know, where you see like everybody on a grant awarding funding committee is a man and everyone on the ethics committee is a man. As a woman, you feel, well, where's my place on that? And who, who do I look up to and who do I see there? And I also think um, many women, I'm not trying to stereotype women, but a lot of women do have significant caring responsibilities for childcare, for even elderly patients, pa patients' parents, I mean. Um, and perhaps avoid holding research meetings either at the very end of the day or first thing in the morning when people have school runs to go to or have to pick up the children from the nanny, for example. Just being more aware of that and being more flexible about having meetings on Zoom, which I think is now more commonplace thanks to COVID, would also perhaps encourage people to feel they can partake and that it's not this special time of the special day where they can't make it and they'll never be able to make it so they can't ever get you know, encouraged to join in research discussions. Then I think on an individual level, what can a fellow radiologist do to help support their fellow female radiologists in academia is perhaps standing up for your colleagues. I think a lot of women mm. in general feel they lack confidence and lack of voice. And so when they say something, even if it's a good idea, they'll probably just whisper it and then forget. If anyone didn't hear that, it's not worth mentioning again. <laughs> but you know, if you hear someone say something good, maybe 
uh, revalidate that, say that was a great idea, you should tell people about it, or I heard so-and-so say this fantastic idea and promote your fellow colleague and uh, woman as well. And um, I guess the last point I would just like to make is that for the last three or four years, I've been in a PhD research group, which has been all male, and I've been the only female. And I've learned a few things about how men conduct themselves, which I think women should learn to do too. And one of those things is being very clear about saying no and not feeling guilty about it and not mm. letting that dominate your head, um, which I think I do more than my fellow male colleagues. I feel bad saying no. I feel I have to say yes. And I think also being clear about my objectives and declining tasks that don't fit into those objectives and then not apologizing for that is something else that I could personally be better at. And I'm sure many women could um, relate to that, too. Well, thank you both for sharing those really um, invaluable insights. I think um, Susie mentioned something really important, um, which I just wanted to kind of underline, which was the culture of promoting inclusivity and amplifying voices. And I think, um, Susie, you're absolutely right. Often um, as female radiologists in academia, we are in male dominated groups and it can be really difficult to kind of hold your own, speak confidently, especially as the potentially junior research fellow. And I know for most of all of my research I have suffered from imposter syndrome and always felt really um, unsure of my ability and I think part of the culture shift that would be amazing to see is if um, th those people that are currently in authority uh, can have maybe some sort of kind of understanding of how difficult that is to be always the underrepresented one in the room and giving space to like you said amplify the good ideas that you may have had or actively seeking them out like you know we've been on a, on a call now for 45 minutes we've not heard from you at all i know that when we were talking one-on-one -on -one, you mentioned something to me which i thought was a great idea would you like to share it with the group or whatever you know and i think sometimes um we can be we can be hesitant to push that forward ourselves and so somebody has to open the door for us a little bit and then once they do then we're like actually no I deserve to be here I've got something to contribute and I want to share it and actually my um, idea or my feedback or my comment is actually going to help this bit of work be a bit better or at least open dialogue for, for alternative ideas so I think you know that's something that is will be so important to see going forward and I know for us as women, as we get into those positions, we that will be something that we will seek to do because we know how much it would have impacted us to have that done for us. Thank you both. Now we hear from Michelle Williams from Edinburgh and Christina Messiu from London, both guests from episode four. Okay, Michelle, can I come to you with your thoughts on how careers shape in academic radiology for women and perhaps what could be done as initiatives to enhance those career opportunities? I think one of the good things about academic medicine is that it can be a very flexible career. It doesn't have a set shape and it can fit in and around lives of all sorts of different shapes and sizes. And that can be very attractive to people. I think knowing that is one thing that uh, is often kept uh, secret. And um, people always think that academics 
only work and they're always working and they never have time to do anything else. I have an ethically um, uh, crazy social life. And I think that's a really important aspect of what makes me a good academic. I've got lots of other things that I can bring to the table. And I think that aspect of flexibility is one that um, really is attractive to many people, women, men, everyone in between. In order to make it more attractive to women, I think the big thing is we need more women that are at the, the senior end of the spectrum. We need more female professors, female senior lecturers, female heads of department, heads of medical school, heads of NHS, heads of charities, heads of funding bodies, people that we can really look up to and say, yes, I fit in that role. I can see myself in that role. And I think that's one thing for me that's really helped knowing that there are incredible women who are my mentors, both in the UK and around the world, who really are making a difference, leading societies, changing the way we do medicine. And whether that's radiology or any other bit of medicine, I think knowing that there are people out there that can do this and do do this really helps me know that, yes, I do fit in here. This is where I belong. Thanks very much, Michelle. Christina, can I pose the same question to you? Yeah, I mean, I think Michelle articulated um, the challenges and the benefits beautifully. Um, I think there's no getting away from the fact that the time at which we need to really invest effort and hours into advancing an academic career often coincides with the time at which you have a young family. And that's really tricky. Um, you know, sometimes academic work does involve travel. It does bleed into your own personal time. But if there's something that the recent pandemic has taught us, it's that we can be much more agile in the way that we work. Um, many of us can work from home very successfully and particularly um, in the academic um, field. So in order to make it attractive, perhaps we need to be much more transparent that academic people perhaps have more opportunity to be agile in their working hours, agile as to where they work from. Um, I think the travel doesn't always have to be so intense, particularly now we're all used to online meetings, you know, we're traveling much less. Um, and I, although, you know, there are obviously some of the face-to-face -face interactions important, I think I am much more efficient in the way that I'm working at the moment, and it is much, much more family friendly. Um, over the years, I've made a lot of friends um, overseas, people who I've collaborated with. And as, as my kids have got older, actually, I've, I've tended to involve them. So if I'm invited to speak somewhere, um, I, I've often perhaps done it on a Friday. And if I've got friends at those other centres, they've often said, bring the family. So, you know, we'll have a weekend in Amsterdam and stay with colleagues there. You know, and we'll, we'll remember those weekends. You know, we did another long weekend in Athens together. And so I really tried to make it a positive thing for the family that sometimes mum had to travel. Um, but I think um, I think Michelle really hit the na nail on the head when she said that, you know, there are real possibilities for flexible and agile working in academia that we need to make much, much more obvious. But I think actually in the academic world, the culture has changed. When I was doing my MD and in the early days of my research, the culture was that you sat at a particular desk 
in the hospital on the days that you were working. And I think that has now changed. Um, and actually, I, I don't think that was a very efficient way to work. You know, I, I've had a I'm working from home today, actually. And I've uh, you know, I, I started at 6 a.m. Um, I worked through until one, you know, took the dog for a walk, came back, started this podcast and I've got through a lot of work today. Now, I don't know the answer to this question, and I think it's probably even um, born out of some bias that is laid on myself. But do you think the way that output is measured in research inherently biases against women? When it comes to output of research, um, it is a little bit of a flawed system. Um, there are challenges with um, does a podcast count as output for research? Does the public engagement stuff that I've done count as research? Is it all about papers and where is your name on the paper? So I'm not sure that it's necessarily about being biased against women. I think it's just that it doesn't necessarily work. And it comes back to what Christina was saying earlier about all of these meetings we attend are incredibly valuable, but how do you um, think about that in terms of um, output from the research and how do you incorporate all these things together? I couldn't agree more, Michelle. I think also the system that we have in publications and grants um, is becoming outdated. You know, this issue of first and last author um, and sometimes on grants only really only able to have one main applicant. The truth is that now good science is multidisciplinary and is impossible to deliver with just one lead. You know, often you will have a, a lead radiologist, you'll have a lead oncologist, you'll have a lead data scientist, often with equal contributions. And so measuring, you know, as academics, you're often measured on whether you're the final author. I think together as a community, we need to start pushing to recognise the, the multidisciplinary contributions to research. So it's not just actually about biasing against women. Um, it's about recognising everybody that it takes to deliver good research. Finally, we hear again from our guests in episode five, Erica Denton from Norwich, Amaka Ophir from Sheffield and Fiona Gilbert from Cambridge. Erica, if I can ask you, can I have your thoughts on what you think could be done to improve opportunities for women in academic radiology? I think it's really important that those of us who are in academic radiology and have a track record of research interests act as really positive mentors to other women. Um, I think the thing that helped me most was being able to see other people doing what I wanted to do and have role models. Um, and from the era when I started at medical school, where there were far fewer women in, in fact, 10% in my year were women and 90% were men at medical school. Um, I think it's so vital that we explain that you can and that if you want to, you really can and that we share that. And we also offer our sisterly support to women who are trying to have it all and to juggle it all. Um, and I think it's particularly important for new consultants, for junior doctors and new consultants who tend to be juggling family life with a desire to have an academic career as well, that we reach out and help them in doing that and give them hot tips for how to manage that world. Um, 
And I also think it's important that we show our humility for how we perhaps haven't got it right when we were at the same level. So it's about being honest that it's, it's not always easy. It can be difficult and to be share, able to share that. Thank you very much. Fiona can ask you the same question about what we can do to make sure we can make the most of opportunities for women in academic radiology. I completely agree with Erica. I think it's so important for women to realise that they can have it all, but sometimes not always at the same time. And it they need to, as, as they go through the different stages of their life, um, there are certain things there are certain times when things are easier. So, so, so once you become a bit more settled in your career, doing research is easier before children come along. And and in the initial stages of having children, and um, you know things could be tough. You know you, you could be very sleep deprived. It's it's almost impossible to be doing creative research or writing at that point. And um, so so you need to be able to you need to have enough fluidity to and and um avoid being too rigid in your expectations about what you can do when at each point in your career and to accept that actually I'm going to do this at this point and then I'm going to stop doing that and you know I'm going to give up that bit of my job and I'm going to go and do something else and I think it so so it's absolutely possible to do everything and to have a you know have a good home life and 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 children and 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 you know and Parent, you know, all of the kind of things with, with a kind of full and happy home life, as well as a, a full and busy job. But it's not possible to do everything at the same time, because then everybody suffers. And I think it's just about recognizing when to prioritize what. And some, and it's okay. And people accept this much more for men and women. That you know, if somebody's having a, a tough time at home, you know, maybe a child's not doing so well or something that you need to just step back for a while that's absolutely acceptable nowadays people recognize that i think we are all much better at at acknowledging that there are other pressures in our lives and i think particularly the the new generation of doctors coming through they want much more work-life balance and things and i think the fantastic thing about radiology is that radiology is a career that allows people to do that and particularly Women, you know, we have a large number of female consultants in our profession, which is fantastic. And radiology research equally lends itself to uh, to, to an academic, uh, female, successful career. And so, yeah, that that would be, I suppose, that would be the lesson that I've learned. And and to to remember to be um, accommodating in in your views. You know, like COVID's been a real eye opener. In the, you know, people were working from home, look, you know, homeschooling while still working. And I would start a conference call with somebody and have to pause and remind myself and say, this woman's got two children under 12 at home that she is trying to teach and I'm still expecting her to do her full time job. No way. And you have to. So all of us have to. And, and I think society is becoming much, much better in that way. And so. It is absolutely possible for women who want to be academic radiologists to do it. The time's now. Thanks, Fiona. Amaka, I'll come to you and uh, leave you with the last word on, on this. I think they've said it all. Um, yes, mentoring, 
yes, um, women can have it all. It's a matter of prioritizing um, and, and understanding. I think that any time you're talking about a system, you've got to talk about everybody within that system. So in addition, I think that we women who have been through it are there as examples for the women, but we should also be educating the men on, on, on what's needed, how departments can be run, how time should be given or when, you know, so that, because they are part of it as well. And unless the, the male medical director or the male head of department or the, or, or the male clinical lead is understanding of the situation, it really will be harder for, for everyone concerned. I, I think that's what I want to say. Um, I also, we're concentrating on women, but I think it's, we should also be concentrating on ethnic minorities, on blacks, on Asians. The Royal College is now actually um, starting a project where they're looking into how they can promote blacks and other minority Asians and things in, in radiology. Um, and also by default, I hope, in academic radiology. So I think those are issues that we should be thinking about as well. Thank you all very much. I really appreciate your time and involvement in joining us here in the Crash Podcast. Thank you. There we are. Really important opinions and insights that I think all of us need to consider and seek to do our best to implement in some way, perhaps in many different parts of our lives. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Let me say thank you again to Charlotte McKeown and the Royal College of Radiologists events team and the college itself for supporting the podcast. And as always, thanks to Sue Mercer for her invaluable sound editing. And I'm somewhat taken aback, but in equal measure delighted to share that at the start of December, we passed 1,000 downloads. So I'd like to send out a huge thank you to all our listeners for seeking us out and sticking with us. And of course, to all our guests for giving up their time to join us on the Crash Podcast and make this happen in such a challenging year. Please do continue to spread the word to anyone you think might be interested, from students to colleagues to researchers and, of course, to your friends. Hopefully the Crash Podcast can come back in some way during 2021, not only to catch up with how our guests have fed, but also to open up the scope of who we talk to, perhaps by subspecialty, by country, by industry, and also with other researchers that play key roles in driving imaging research forward. Let us know what you would like to hear. And as usual, show notes will be available at the RCR website. And if you have any questions about what you have heard today or any other matters related to academic radiology and research, then you can email them to conf.rcr.ac.uk. That's C-O-N-F at rcr.ac.uk. And don't forget about Radiant, the Radiology Academic Network for Trainees. Find out more at www.radiantuk.com and get your training scheme involved. So that's it for now. I've been your host, Tom Termazai. Until next time, stay safe.